0: changed the title of my message. Title of my message was going to be Be My Witnesses and Taking Hold of the Promises of God. And we changed it today. I came in this morning and changed it. I said, let's change our message title to somebody ought to testify. So last week we read two of Jesus's promises to his disciples. In Acts chapter 1 verse 5, the word of God says for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. I want to paraphrase what happens next. The disciples begin to ask him the details of Jesus. How are you going to do this? And Jesus replies to them and he says, it's not for you to know right now. The times are the seasons. It's not for you to know. You don't have to know the details of that. And many times God gives a promise to his people. And we get all caught up in, well, how's he going to do that? says he's going to use you in some way. God says he's going to accomplish something for your life. God says he's going to grow your business or he's going to restore your marriage or he's going to save your children or he's going to heal your body or he wants to use you in some way. And you're like, well, how are you going to do that? We get all caught up in the house. And when God says something, I want to encourage you to start taking it at face value. I think it's really important that he said that to them in that moment. Because they were all caught up in the details of what's going to happen. He says, that really doesn't matter. Let me tell you what you need to know. He says in verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, Jesus ascends to heaven. He goes up into the clouds and the disciples are standing there and they're watching and they're looking into the sky. And then two angels appear, and the angels begin to speak to them. I want to ask you something. If you were standing there, and somebody ought just standing before you just starts ascending to heaven, wouldn't you stand there for a while and look up? Did I just see that? Did that really happen? And two angels appear to them in verse 11. Notice what it says. It says, men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. The disciples say to him, what are you doing? This same Jesus, why are you standing here? Why are you waiting? He made you a promise. What are you standing here just amazed with what you've seen? He's made you a promise that his power is going to come upon you and you're going to be his witnesses. What are you doing standing here? Don't you have something else to do? And that's a really good point for us because God does something in our lives that sometimes astounds us. And we stand there like this. But there's a time where he wants us to move from hearing what he said. It's cool to stand there and be amazed. But there's a time where he wants us to move from what he has said to going doing something about it. Okay? Okay? And now they walk down the Mount of Olives, they're on the Mount of Olives, and they walk down back to Jerusalem. Now, a lot of times, to give you an idea, a lot of times we get this view of the Mount of Olives being somewhere far off, the old city of Jerusalem. And the Mount of Olives, it's like walking down a big hill. It's like in the mountains around here, some of the towns around here, not around here, but like in western PA. If you go to Altoona or Johnstown, or if you go to upstate, there's towns that are built upon a hill. And the towns that are built upon a hill, you walk down one street, and then you kind of walk up the next hill. And that's kind of the way it is with Jerusalem. It's not a day's walk. You walk down a big hill, Mount of Olives, and you walk up to the old city, the city of what they call the city of David. So it's it's just a, an afternoon walk. It's not real far. And so they walk down, they go from the Mount of Olives back to Jerusalem, and they gather in the upper room, and in the upper room they begin to pray. When God gives you a promise. It's vital that you pray. It's important that you pray. But they didn't just pray, they prepared. Prayer is preparation, that's true. But they also went about the work of the ministry. And so they chose, if you read through Acts chapter 1, they went about selecting a replacement for Judas. God may tell you that he's going to use you to save your unsaved neighbors. And you can pray about it all day. But it's really cool whenever you take a step and walk out the door and start talking to them. God may tell you that he wants to intervene in your finances, and you may pray about your finances. But you can also make a budget. You can cut your spending. You can pick up a second job. You can start a business. It's amazing how powerful prayer is when you combine it with wisdom and action. Okay? Some people think that they can sit around and pray all day. ...that God is going to intervene. Well, God hears your prayers, but there's some things what He's asking you to do... ...is He's asking you to take a step of faith. Sometimes people think, well, you're not for prayer. Absolutely we're for prayer. Absolutely for prayer. Absolutely, absolutely. But once you're done praying, you get up and you go do what God told you. See, it's in prayer that God speaks to us. It's in prayer He reveals Himself to us. It's in prayer that He gives Andy instructions for His business... It's in prayer that he gives Joe a strategy for the youth ministry. You see, we pray, and then we go about fulfilling what God has spoken to us. Action has to be applied with our prayers. And this is where we pick up. In Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, Eliamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus in Asia, Ferga and Pamphylia, Egypt and all the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Christians and Arabs, and notice this, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongue. When they heard them speaking in other tongues, they were declaring the wonders of God in their own tongue. I want you to underline that in your Bible. They were declaring the wonders of God. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. The first thing I want to talk to you about today, our first point is this, that Jesus made this statement. He said, "You will be my witness." Jesus told his followers that they would be his witnesses. What do witnesses do? Okay, they witness. They testify. I'd like you, when you hear the music, just begin to clap your hands, stomp your feet. I think we're ready to go. You just listen to the song. Okay. Just sing along. Why don't you sing along? So, what do you think you ought to do? I think you need to testify. Jesus said this. He said, You're going to be my witness. As a witness, you're going to be called upon. A witness is called upon to testify. My brother is a detective with the state police, and there's times where he'll have to testify. and they will see it my way as a defense attorney. I'll hire someone. If i got enough money, I'll find somebody with credentials who will see it my way. Now the prosecution will bring in expert witnesses and they'll see it another way. A variety of different people, witnesses. There's character witnesses. And they don't have anything to do with the case, but they say, well, I know Jeff. And as long as I've known Jeff, Jeff has been a faithful guy. Jeff's a good friend. Jeff is reliable. Jeff shovels my grandmother's snow. He's wonderful. Okay? There are other witnesses who will testify to what they have seen, what they have heard, what they smelt what they sensed, what they understood was taking place, then reminded me of a scripture the other day. if you'll turn with me very quickly to first John chapter 1. I want you just to turn there real quick with me first John chapter 1 and it says this First John chapter 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testified to it. And we proclaim to you eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make your joy complete. Okay? So there's an aspect of testifying. Testifying. Many people, as I said, think that they need to be able to expound on all the nuances of God before they can testify. This is wonderful, but can I say something to you? You don't have to wait. The man Jesus healed who was blind, they came and they asked him a bunch of questions. He said, I don't know anything about that. All I know is I was blind, and now I see. That's all I know. I'm going to tell you what. When a blind man says, all I know is I was blind, but now I see... captures people's attention. The woman at the well went and, you remember her? She went and she testified to her friends. What did she say to them? She said, come, I want to introduce you to a man who I met who told me all things. What did she do? She testified. Again and again throughout scripture, we find people who testified, who spoke of what they had experienced. Do you want to meet him too? Do you want to find him too? So we have complicated what it means to be a witness. I want you to hear me today. I want you to hear me very clearly. God is getting ready to break through in your life. God is getting ready to... business. He's going to bring them right into your house or right into your neighbor, and he's going to give you opportunities for you. He will open the door for you, but here's the deal. You have to step through it. God's going to bring people your way. He's going to bring people who are lost, who are broken, who are sick, who are needy, who long for a touch from God. They're going to be ripe. He says, lift up your eyes and look into the fields. Don't say it's going to be four more months. This is the time of harvest. Right now, today is the day for a harvest. And God's going to bring people who are already right. You know what the Word says? He says, you're going to reap where you've not sown. Others have done the hard work. You're going to reap where you've not sown. That's what the Word says to us. So God's speaking that to your heart today. Now, it is your responsibility when He opens the door. For you to walk through it. What do you do whenever they come? Well, Pastor, I don't know the Romans Road. Well, take ten minutes and memorize it, for goodness sakes. You don't need the Romans Road. What you do is you open your mouth. And you testify what you have seen. What you have heard. You tell them what it felt like when God's power came upon you. You tell them what it felt like whenever the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the first time you sensed the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And you might talk about the goosebump or the joy that flooded your heart, and it captures people's hearts. Because you know what the Word says? That they overcame the accuser, what? By the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. You've got a testimony. Don't let anybody try to shut your mouth or let anybody try to hinder you from doing that. If you look at the verses we just read, God did just that. When the Holy Spirit was poured out, they began to speak in other tongues, a language that they did not know. We believe that whenever you speak in tongues, that it can be a heavenly language, that you're praying in the tongue, if I pray in the tongues of men or of angels. Okay? So we believe that when we pray in tongues, there's times we pray in a heavenly language, but as these men prayed in tongues, they spoke in other tongues. In this case, they were declaring the wonders of God in the language of pilgrims from all over the world who had come to Jerusalem. I want to say that again. They were declaring the wonders of God. And when you testify, what are you doing? You're declaring the wonders of God. It's not complicated. It's not difficult. We're going to make it so plain and simple that anybody can do it. If you've been saved for at least one second, you can testify. If the Spirit of God has come upon you for one second, you are qualified to testify. This amazed the people. When you've been filled with the Spirit and are faithful to walk through the doors, God opens for you. I want you to understand that part. You've been filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, we got people who've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. If you haven't been, we'll pray with you for that. But we got people who are baptized in the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we just think that it's just for me to feel good. No, there's a power that comes there's an anointing that comes upon your life. And as you pray it's the Spirit who's interceding for you, when you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, and here's the second part, and are faithful to walk through the doors God opens for you, you'll be filled with the Spirit. God's Spirit comes upon you. You'll walk out of here. You'll go down to Yoder's and sit down to eat. And one of the people that you run into will be there. And you'll start to talk to him. And God will open a door like that. And I go, oh, maybe this is just me feel like I should tell about what God's doing in my life. Oh, this is me. Maybe it's the devil. Maybe it's just, I'm going to tell you, the devil's not trying to get you to testify. All right. Is this just me? This is not just you. This is not just you. That's the spirit of God. That's rising up. And here's the thing. When you obey, if you push it down, if you quench the spirit, it's not going to increase. But when you obey, when you step out that first time, you tell somebody, what happens? Joy begins to rise up in your heart. Your witness will have an ever increasing circle of influence. Some people want to be, I want to be a missionary someday. I want to be a worldwide pastor someday. I want to do this, I want to do that. And they struggle to obey God in the simple things that He's saying. When you obey, He expands your circle of influence, He just does it. But he requires of us, here's your part, when you're prompted by the Spirit to step out and speak. When you're prompted by the Spirit to testify, to tell someone what God has done. When you see someone and you have kind of a burden on your heart and say, well, should I or should I not? The answer is absolutely do it. And don't wait till tomorrow. Do it immediately. God brings someone in your path, you start testifying. You start telling them of the goodness of God. So your witness will have an ever-increasing circle of influence. It starts in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and extends to the uttermost parts of the earth. Notice the response of the people. Some were amazed and drawn to Christ. Others said they were drunk. This is when Peter stood up and he begins to preach. Remember Peter, the one who was ashamed of Jesus before the slave girl? He is now standing in front of crowds and listen to the words that he says. Acts chapter 2, verse 14. Then Peter stuck with the eleven. He raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last day, God says, I will pour out my spirit. On all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And as I was preparing the message, the part that God impressed upon my heart was that one line. Your sons and your daughters will be included. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Let's go back to point two. When you obey God, you can expect your circle of influence to increase. Let me tell you how that applies. That applies to your witness. That applies to your business. That applies to your influence in the community. That applies to every area of your life. When you become one who is quick to obey, don't make God send you three or four memos. Do you want an employee working for you, who you have to tell them everything? No, you want people who know what they're doing. You want people to know that once I've done this, it's just natural that the, this is the next thing I do. And so when God speaks to you, you want to be someone who, just quickly, God says it, I do it. And in fact, you want to be looking ahead and seeing what God wants you to do. Well, Lord, who else? You told me to talk to this person. I did it, and I'm looking around. And there's someone else. You ask God, are they ready? Should I say something to them? Treat your kids like they're any ordinary kid. Don't treat your kids. You know what? Your kids are different. God's anointing is upon them. They are going to prophesy. He's going to pour out His Spirit upon them. God's anointing is going to overflow their lives. So you can't treat them like the neighbors treat their kids. You've got to treat your kids different. You've got to raise them differently. You've got to minister to them differently. You expect more out of them. They're not a D student. Your kid's an A student. They'll tell you, don't accept your kid being a D student. Your kid's not a D student. Your kid's an A student. Don't accept. Do not accept that your kid has to run away from the Lord for 13 years. That is not God's plan. That's not God's will for your children. God's will for your children is that they prosper and be in health even as their soul prospers. Okay? We treat our kids different. Why? Because they're anointed. They're called. God's Spirit rests upon them. They don't have time. There's a lot of things that they don't have time who you're leading. Your children, your grandchildren, you speak over those grandchildren. God's anointing. God wants to prophesy to them. God wants to pour out His What that is, is that's a substitute for the reality where God says, I want you to be filled with my spirit. People are getting high. They're telling people about how cool it is and how great it feels and what it's like. Well, you need to testify of what it's like to have the spirit of God come upon you. You need to testify. You need to teach your children what that means. When God gives us his word, and this is my final point, when God gives us his word, we have to fight for it. Now, some people say, well, wait a minute. I believe in that. Well, maybe you should read the Bible and talk to Joshua. Maybe you should read the Bible, talk to Moses. Because God made some promises to them, but He also called them to take possession of what rightfully belonged to them. They had to grab a hold of it. They could not let it be stolen away. They couldn't to take a minute, and as a family, because here's the thing. We have to fight for what God wants for us. He says, I'm going to pour out my spirit. And I read there in 1 Psalm 1 where it talks about your joy. We write this to make your joy complete. Any of you who struggle with depression, can I tell you what? One of the things that overcomes depression is when the anointing of the Holy Spirit comes on you, and God uses you. Ooh, that feels good. That's like the best balm, is when the Spirit of God comes upon you And God uses you. His anointing comes upon you. We're going to just take just a few minutes here, and we're going to testify. We're going to make a commitment to God. We're going to promise him that, God, when you give me the opportunity, we're going to testify.